Chapter 19, Invisible Structures, Community, Commerce, and Governance. Compassion is the recognition of another's suffering and the desire to do something to stop that suffering. Empathy is the ability to deeply understand other people's suffering and point of view, hopefully. Our compassion will lead us to seek to be empathetic. From this place, we should lead, guide, dispute, debate, and govern. Introduction. We are living in times of exponential change. We are in the midst of one of the largest extinction events in known history, as well as a transition from one stable ecology to another on a global scale. And no one knows quite where we are heading or what tipping points we will reach and their consequences. There is also a perceptible breakdown in social order, governmental efficacy and integrity, the environment, biodiversity, and our economies. Ultimately, all these problems are related, as are the people systems involved and the people's assumptions that are somehow immune from the natural consequences of ecological collapse. We cannot burn fossil fuels or even biofuels and release their fumes into the atmosphere indefinitely. We cannot destroy all the rainforest without a consequence. We cannot poison or drain all the aquifers and reservoirs without unintended negative consequences being incurred. We are not separate from nature and its systems. Human systems are subject to natural laws as well. We cannot inflate money or tolerate a dictator forever. Eventually, a realization spreads and change occurs. Fortunately, with the advent of the internet and international communication, people everywhere from all walks of life and systems of belief are realizing that many of us are focusing on the same concerns. Many people from diverse cultures are seeking new patterns to live by. We need to adapt not just our gardens, local farms, and building codes, but the very systems we live within, government, community, and economic systems. We must begin to live lives of integration, not separation, from the natural world. We can then apply those new insights and patterns to adapt our economies, governments, and communities. While it would take many books to fully address each area of this chapter, we instead explore some examples of social permaculture in hopes that it will encourage further study into those examples listed and the generation of many more books and resources on social permaculture. In many ways, food production and landscape repair are easy compared to the reform of people systems. Principles for people systems. These are distilled from my own thinking mixed with all that I've ever read or learned from everyone I've ever encountered. Treat others better than they expect to be treated. If we want people to be willing to dig swales, grow their own food, etc., we have to make it a pleasant experience. If we treat others better than they expect, they will be more trusting and open. Show trust and be trustworthy. The only way to gain trust is to show that we are worthy of it by demonstrating trust first and then being trustworthy. Be clear. When we are clear, our intentions are understood and others can meet expectations, which also builds trust. Set clear boundaries. Like all edges, boundaries are areas for productivity. 
When we set clear boundaries, it shapes expectations and guides behaviors towards mutually beneficial ends. It also protects us and allows for growth, reflection, privacy, individuality, autonomy, healthy relationships, and much more. Educate by example. The only way to spread good examples of design or behavior is through living those behaviors or thriving inside those designs. People have to see it, touch it, taste it, experience it, and know the story of it to adopt a significant change in the way they live their lives. Share as much as you can. This may be difficult as we are starting out, but everything we design can turn quickly into abundance and enable us to return surplus and prepare for the future. It is also a main component of the third ethic. Be self-reliant. Be prepared. While seemingly in juxtaposition to the last principle, the first step to helping others is being able to help ourselves, especially in relation to unforeseen complications. Planning and preparation are vital components of self-reliance. Be patient. A tree does not grow in a day, nor a forest in a year. The best things take time and patience, especially with people. Be local. When we focus our time, energy, spending, and production locally and regeneratively, we improve the local area and reap all the associated holistic benefits. Be open. Trust in you or in your business can only happen if you are transparent and open about how you conduct your business. Be timely. Whether it's plant, animal, or people systems, timing is everything. Solutions, not complaints. Though critical thinking and pointing out places for improvement is vital for reflection, complaining and finding solutions are worlds apart. When we speak in the language of solutions, we are more likely to arrive at solutions. Smile first. Enthusiasm is the energy of will made manifest. We all want to be around someone who is enthusiastic and ready to work. Family first. Families are the most basic units of all communities, the foundation of all civilization, and the purpose for our lives. Work first on what matters now. Always ask yourself, what is important now? Always keep your priorities focused on what is needed now to accomplish your holistic goals. Always innovate and adapt. Nature is always innovating and adapting to the constantly changing environment. If we are to work with nature, we must change with it. Don't take offense, be better. Often it is the most difficult challenge, but ultimately the ability to consider criticism without taking offense brings the greatest set of socio-environmental rewards both individually and collectively. Look to elders. Experience is priceless, and we all can learn from earlier generations' perspectives, even if we choose to do something different. All perspectives play a part in holistic management. Celebrate common interests. When we meet someone who shares a passion we have, we cannot help but feel like we've gained a new friend and ally. A common bond can be found between almost any two people because we all have universal needs. Listen to and make space for children and youth. 
children, youth, and young adults also tend to be marginalized despite families having done so much in order to raise children. Making room for the younger people to be heard and to sense themselves as autonomous beings is important. Include everyone when possible. Permanent cultures rely upon holistic representation and celebration of everyone, regardless of culture, gender, or beliefs. The cultural edges can bring a spectrum of experience and perspective that would be impossible otherwise. This might not always be possible. Some issues might be personal, trivial, inappropriate, outside their concern, and a myriad of other possibilities. Patterns for permanency. Care of the future. We need a culture that is permanent and adaptive. Culture is what determines how we interact with the land and with each other. Contemplating the effects of our actions up to the seventh generation, the approach taken by the Iroquois First Nation, or making a multi-generational business plan can be forms of caring for the future. A culture that is using its surplus time, food, energy, and biomass to invest in the future is a stable one. Even as we focus on what can be done now, we must split that lens to also envision what it will be like in the future, based on our current actions. A great number of polluting and destructive practices would end overnight if all decisions passed through that split lens. Decentralization Permaculture encourages decentralization and localization in design out of necessity. Decentralization is the only way to manage complex systems. When most of our food, fuel, fiber, water, and electricity are sourced locally, at home ideally, and regeneratively, all the money supporting the large corporate distribution chain will shrink dramatically and shift to the local economy. Transporting electricity from a distant power plant to homes is inefficient. The same is true of shipping fresh fruit and vegetables in winter from the opposite hemisphere's summer. Homegrown or bioregional food, electricity, fuel, and fiber with Roof rainwater storage saves the most energy, carbon, and money over time. Autonomy. Autonomy is the concept of self-governing or self-management. Parents want their children to grow up to be autonomous, and designers want large landscape restorations to be completely autonomous. Autonomy is also the essence of freedom, the ability to make choices without external controls or pressures. As is being found in schooling, Teachers must be facilitators, not dictators. If we want to access the highest levels of understanding, application, creativity, and performance, students must maintain their autonomy. The same is true for the environment. It cannot be monocultured into submission and get sustainable results. People and the natural world must be allowed autonomy and the resources to self-manage. Community patterns. Family. The needs of families constitutes the majority of what defines communal life or community. Education, food and water, housing, and healthcare. Without those elements, most families would not thrive. It is up to our collective culture to provide the means for all people to have easy access to all of these services, whether it be through self-reliance, interdependence, or charity. Those core elements sustain our culture. Families are the gardens in which we grow the seeds of the future culture's caretakers. Those core elements sustain our culture. Families are the gardens in which we grow the seeds of the future culture's caretakers.
how we treat families is how we treat the future. Neighborhoods, consisting of anywhere between a few families in a rural area to hundreds in an urban setting, neighborhoods of families are a geographic grouping of people. They are incentivized by this proximity to work together harmoniously and regeneratively. Groups. Local groups can be formed based around common ethical interests such as permaculture, homeschooling, pasture-raised pigs, rocket mass heaters, silviculture, community enrichment, and other topics that draw people together. These groups, both physical and online, have immense power to make change happen without confrontation or even criticism. They can provide positive solutions and examples that invite others to embrace a new way of living. With the power of the internet, new examples for better living are being uploaded daily and shared publicly from the morning breakfast routine, to growing tomatoes, to building a cob oven, to repairing washing machines. The possibilities are endless. Ethical interests cross all boundaries of culture, ethnicity, and physical bioregion. This is most visible on the internet where we form groups based purely on interests, values, and beliefs. These groups have the ability to foster interactions outside our traditional circles of influence, family, friends, locals, and local officials. The internet and social media have opened the door to the global community and spread a realization that fast-growing numbers of us desire a more ethical and regenerative and abundant world. This global online phenomenon of inclusivity and outreach is also driving the formation of bioregional groups that attract people from a vast array of cultures and ethnicities, a convergence perhaps unprecedented in human history. There is a commonly held view that the maximum size for any functional group is 150 people, a concept known as Dunbar's number. Any larger, and it starts to fracture off into separate groups within that group, which isn't a bad thing in itself. It's just a matter of forming a second group. While Dunbar's number is an imperfect approximation, it can give communities a rule of thumb by which to preserve functionality of organizational units, community schools, at least. It can make communities conscious of their size and relative functionality. In addition, within a group of that size, you can fit all the roles needed for a thriving local community and vibrant community. In a city, this could be members of one apartment building, an entire block, or the entire neighborhood in the suburbs. Rural, suburban, and urban villages. Traditional villages still persist throughout the world, primarily in rural areas. These traditional models cover all aspects of community needs. Healthcare, food, shelter, security, community, family, spirituality, and work. Villages historically have been bioregional and small, between several hundred and several thousand people. Because their size, vitality, and mobility were determined by the bioregion's available resources. Permaculture-based villages can form in any context, suburban, rural, or urban. The smaller the village, the more closely knit the community, the lower the crime rate, and arguably, the better the relationships. To build resilient local communities, cities and towns need to foster the development of villages within their town or city and seek to make each as autonomous and self-reliant as possible. Decentralization of town resources and services allows for quicker deployment and more informed interactions.